Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. It's Tony here, your career bestie. I hope everything is going splendidly. I have a very exciting episode for you today. Today, I am joined by Asia Briviesca Hadin, who is the founder and CEO of Bridgewell Professional Services, a leadership and development and executive coaching firm in Southern California. This lady speaks my language. We are going to be digging in to failure. And why failure isn't actually the bad thing that you think it is. Um, if you've been around here, maybe you already know that, but we're going to give you a few home truths today. But Azir is a strategy expert turned leadership coach, and she is super passionate about providing her leaders with the mindset shifts and the different attitudes of thinking that help them get unstuck and help them get out their own way. Again, something that we are going to be talking about today. So without further ado, let's get her onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Asia. It's fabulous to have you on the show today. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I just, I don't know why I just said fabulous, but it really does feel like this is going to be a fabulous conversation. Like we met a couple of months ago now we met and we just hit it off. And why I wanted you on the show is because to talk about failure. But before we dig into that, um, because I know it's a topic very dear to your heart, can you share a little bit with us about your career journey, highlights, some lowlights as well? I love, I love us to get the perspective of highlights and lowlights. And also how you came to be the founder of a leadership and development coaching firm. Yes. So my background is in management consulting. That's kind of um, how I started. But really, I got into management consulting because when I was um, a a proud uh, University of Southern California Trojan, you know, I'm a a graduate and I was getting a a master's there in public administration. And um, I heard about this career called management consulting and I never heard of such a thing. Right. And I was like, what is that? And then when I when I found out what it was, it sounded to me almost like it was one kind of big case case study as a, after another. And that was like my favorite part, right, of my master's program, working on those case studies. Um, you know, once I realized that the shortest path to getting into management consulting was an MBA, I went ahead and uh, you know, was fortunate enough to be able to go back to USC this time full time. You know, I wasn't I wasn't working anymore because at the beginning my employer was paying for it, so I was going at night. And so now it's like my first chance since high school to go to school full time without also having a full time job. So it was amazing. And um, so the MBA program is what opened the doors for me to go into management consulting, and I started working with Ernst and Young, one of the, the you know big accounting and consulting firms. And um, I I think that was it, like that just nailed that that was what I wanted to be doing, helping organizations create capabilities and ways of working, um, reach that they didn't have before we started working with them. So so that is how that piece came about. And then eventually, of course, I left consulting because, you know, the travel, while it seemed really fancy and fantastic. (laughs) It's it's not, is it? It's definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, it seems so 
fancy uh, at the beginning. And um, then, you know, as I had children, I was like, wow, this is a little less fancy than I was thinking. <laughs> so, um, so I left consulting and ultimately, ultimately, I kind of ended up doing the same type of work, but um, independently or within organizations, right? So I, I had an opportunity to work with a bunch of great companies, some, you know, names that you'll know, but for example, Disney and DreamWorks. And then the last many years before I started my company, I was in um, healthcare with a cancer center here in Southern California. Now, what I found though, over the years, um, you know, working in all of these very different environments, right? Whether it's, you know, automotive or entertainment or healthcare or manufacturing, um, we were always, it seemed like we were always trying to figure out what the magic combination is, right? What that critical success factor is that if you got that figured out, um, everything's gonna go beautifully. And um, so we would focus on the solutions and does it do everything we need it to do? Do we have all the right players in the room? You know, that type of thing. But what I found over the years and in, in across industries and organizations and teams is that it almost didn't matter whether they had just the perfect solution, you know, that addressed everything they needed it to do or the perfect team or were perfectly resourced, right? Or had considered every mitigation plan. The reality from where I'm sitting came down to what was the best indicator of whether there was gonna be dramatic success or if it was gonna fall flat on one of these, these initiatives is, whether the people actually involved in making the initiative happen and bringing that benefit to life believed they could do it. Mm. And now I know that that like when I hear myself say it and I, I know that that sounds so trite and I'm like, no, but stick with me because there's <laughs> truth to that. And here's why, here's why. And I think this kind of leads into our conversation on failure as well. But the reason is that you know, our ability to deal with the unexpected is kind of the best gift to whatever we're trying to make happen. Yes, I completely agree with that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, that's what it came down to. It's kind of, you know, the old adage, you know, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. Right. And I really found that to be like fact, you know, in this space as it relates to delivering on a strategic roadmap or intention or enterprise priority or transformation effort, it really came down to whether those players believed they can, they could handle whatever showed up, even when things went sideways. So that also is a long-winded way of bringing us into <laughs> that I wanted to then focus really all of my time there, because I was doing the strategy execution um, and, and strategic planning. And that is a lot of fun. And I, I still like to, you know, have those conversations and pull that into my coaching, but it was really working with the leaders and helping them recognize and, you know, bring about that skill that mm. it, it isn't just grit and resilience. It isn't just planning. It isn't just confidence. It's some kind of strange, wonderful swirl that happens when it all comes together and they know that even if they fall on their butts, that they're going to be okay yeah. and that they're going to figure it out. And I, I think that is so incredibly powerful for us to remember, like the, 
the power of how we decide to think about our own experience, how we talk to ourselves about that, how we assume it's going to turn out has such a huge impact on how things actually do turn out. And yet, I think a lot of people, especially this audience, we're women in tech, right? And it feels very woo-woo to be like, well, how I talk to myself is going to have a big impact. <laughs> do you see that happening the people you work with? It seems a bit woo-woo to talk that way. You know, I, I actually, I agree with you. I think for, um, it can sound very woo-woo, but I actually de-woo-wooize it. Oh, let's, go. let's, let's have that conversation. I am down with that. I, I want to have that conversation. No, really, I think um, here is the thing. You don't need to believe anything about what your thoughts cause or create or the energy you put out. You don't need to believe any of that. But what you can do is simply observe the quality of your thinking and what options you create for yourself as a result. And, and I'll tell you, you know, let's say that you're walking into a new unfamiliar environment, right? And that your thinking might be something like, oh, let's see what shows up. Let's see what surprises me here. You're going to walk in with a different lens and different little details are going to pop out to you than if you walk in to that exact same circumstance and environment thinking, ooh, I heard people here are really catty. I better watch myself, mm. right? What you focus on comes into focus. There is nothing woo-woo about that. Yes. It is simply that that's what's going to surface and seem more available and immediate and imminent to you, right? It, it, you're, you're, it's not that you're doing anything wrong, and it's not even about it being woo-woo. It's simply that, again, what you focus on comes into focus, so if you are focusing on, oh, this is going to be kind of exciting. Let me see what we see. You know, let, let me see, you know, what, what new ways of, of thinking or doing things they've got going on here that I haven't seen before is going to have you show up in a whole different way, interact in a whole different way, respond to other people in a whole different way. And there is nothing woo-woo about that. You need to understand the connection between the quality of your thinking and how you show up and how you make decisions, right? That's all I do. Like my entire focus with my clients is distinguishing what's driving their decisions and then helping them recognize what that is and whether that's what they want driving their decisions. Again, there's no wrong or right answer, but it's up to you whether you want your decisions and how you show up and, and how you lead be driven by fear versus being driven by, you know, let's see what we can do here. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't, or, or even being driven by trying to get it right can be a damaging driver. So, you know, it's so important to figure out what it is that's driving our actions. And the only way to do that is to look back at our thinking. And here's the, here's the thing that I'm finding more and more, um, how you're feeling is a really good barometer for the quality of your thinking. So I'm going to break that down for just a second, because I really want you to get this. Now, if you're feeling anxious or feel fearful or particularly self-conscious or angry or something like that, 
it is going to inform your access to your best thinking, right? The problem is now you can, you can see that as we're sitting here kind of calmly, quietly having this conversation, (laughs) the challenge is that because the quality of your thinking is compromised, you can't see it when it's actually compromising your thinking. Yeah. It's like, they don't go together. You you cannot see kind of like, you know, you can't see inside your own eye, right. Without a mirror. In this case, the mirror that we're talking about is however you're feeling. There is just a very good chance that if you're feeling off, your thinking is off. And so as a result, right, the way that you approach things, the decisions that you make, um, how you interpret other people's behaviors is going to be off too. And that's okay. That's just part of being human. But the the hardest thing I I often say to people, the hardest thing is, is slowing down enough to pause and recognize that's what's going on because you can't, you know, take action on the fact that the way you're interpreting other people's behaviors is off because you're off. You can't change your decision-making processes because you're off unless you know you're off, right? Giving ourselves permission to slow down and pay attention to how we're feeling. I often think that that's like the number one tool we all have to develop, right? Because if we can't do that, everything else is harder or impossible because we haven't taken the time to give ourselves permission to understand what we are thinking and feeling. Yes, I'm like over here cheering. (laughs) (laughs) We speak the same language, don't we? It's wonderful. Yeah, we totally do. (laughs) Yes, and here's the thing. I want you to consider how often you spend time thinking about your thinking. For most of us, we spend no time thinking about our thinking, but you know what we do spend time thinking about? How we're feeling. We spend Mm. a lot of time thinking about how we're feeling. And how either miserable or uncomfortable or joyful or whatever the case is that we're feeling. So because that is something we're already tuned into, that's why having that distinction and awareness that how you're feeling, right, is a great barometer for the quality of your thinking, you know, that is really the key, right? Knowing we're already tuned into how we're feeling. So forget about wondering about how you're thinking. Think about how you're feeling because we're already doing that for one. But again, if if you can even test it, right, if there is a, a question about it, but once you recognize the, the truth in that statement that, you know, if you're, how you're feeling is kind of compromised and off, then your thinking is too, then you will, you will actually get to the point where you can hold off. You'll know that, you know, if you're feeling in a certain way, you're going to hold off. If you're feeling angry or reactivated or offended or whatever the case is, you might just want to hold off on making any sort of decision or, or deciding how to react and give it give yourself an opportunity for, for exploration and reflection. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Okay, well, I do want to talk about failure today. We could talk about oh. all this stuff all day. But oh my let's God. get yeah, into failure, right? Yes. Um, so I know failure is a topic you're passionate about. It's why I really, really wanted you on the show. But let's start with why is failure something we all need to look at differently? And how can we look at it differently? Obviously, it ties directly into what we've just been chatting about. Absolutely. Yeah. Failure. We have such a funny and wonky relationship with failure. You know, it's really funny because, you know, when you when you think about it, right, as children, for example, we learn by getting things right right? And then we're mm-hmm. rewarded by getting things right. We're not rewarded when we fail. So we do everything in our power to avoid failing. And, and that we're kind of conditioned to do that. Now, as adults, 
as business owners and entrepreneurs and, and um, you know, executive team members and leaders and leaders at any level, we actually learn by failing. Mm-hmm. But it's like we're still caught in, you know, that childhood zone as it relates to our learning and our relationship to failure. You know, we have this, uh, a, a, you know, aversion to failure because at this point we've made it mean something about ourselves, right? We've now tied success to being worthy, you know, or success or actually let me clarify that, right? Because success is loaded, but getting it right and looking good, we've now tied that to being worthy, you know, to being enough, to being good, to, to validation, to all of those things. And that's simply not what they're, they're unrelated. Like it's almost like we need to, we need to divorce those because in fact, what failure is, is a testament to the new and unexpected that you've been willing to delve into. When we start wearing failure, like a badge of honor about how often we fell down and got back up, I think it will just completely transform how we approach life. Because right now, a lot of the decisions we make, again, going back to the quality of our thinking, are coming from a fear of how we're going to feel if things don't go according to plan, if we fail. Yes. Right? That's the big, you know, F word. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and, and isn't it fascinating? Because I've seen in myself in the last year, you know, I'm a coach. This is what I do. It's my full-time job. I talk a lot about failure and how it's not a bad thing. And yet I've realized in the last year, I have double standards with myself and I struggle with this. Um, And so right now my business is growing quite rapidly. I've got an an amazing team. Um, We've doubled in size in the last 12 months. And I am, I know it's very exciting. It's an amazing time for my business, but I've had to consciously choose to work with my team on embracing failure. To me, success in my business requires us to fail. Because if we're not failing, we're not thinking outside the box. We're not trying yeah. new things. We're not doing things. And so it's been really fascinating for me because I think I've held myself back in a way that I hadn't quite appreciated until I was trying to encourage my team to be like, it's okay to fail. In fact, I expect you to fail. If you're not failing, there's something wrong. <laughs> like It means we're not trying new and different things enough. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We're, we're not playing big enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, I, and I try to ex- explain to folks that you almost need you need to do it in spite of the discomfort, in spite of the doubt, in spite mm-hmm. of the not entirely believing. And the reason that we need to push ourselves through that is because, you know, if, if you think about motivation and what we're willing to do and take on kind of as a triangle. Right. One side of that triangle, of course, as we know, is we want to do things that bring us pleasure. Right. The other side of that triangle is we want to avoid things that cause us pain, or in this case, discomfort, or the possibility of discomfort, et cetera. And we want to do that with the least amount of effort exerted possible. That's the bottom of the triangle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when left to our own devices, everything that we do automatically is going to happen within that triangle. But by definition, anything relating to growth, expansion, innovation, trying something new, Uh, is going to happen outside of the triangle. All of that happens outside of the triangle. You know, this conversation happens outside of that triangle. Why? Because it's not necessarily a validated concept that everyone agrees. 
right? The reason we're having the conversation and venturing into this space is because we know the risk is worth the reward of people recognizing a new way of being with their potential, right? Failure, a new way of seeing, you know, goofing things up. Because here's here's the thing, the way we are with failure, we think that if we don't try, we're avoiding failure. But in fact, all we're doing is we're failing the wrong way. And I'll, I'll break that down for a second. So if you think about failure, you know, you've tried something, you went all in, you put your heart into it and your effort and your energy and your dollars and, you know, your intentions and your dreams, and it falls flat or worse yet, it blows up in your face. Okay. Let's just say, you know, massive public humiliation. It's embarrassing. You know, uh, you got to just kind of, kind of swallow that. But here's the thing along the way of all that energy and effort and thinking and excitement and enthusiasm, you were learning something. You were creating new distinctions. You were practicing new ways of thinking. You were coming up with new ideas about how to continue to tweak and do it next time, right? So yes, it might've blown up in your face, right? And it might be a, a capital F failure, but you learned along the way. You actually grew that triangle of yours. The alternative, when you decide not to try because you're trying to avoid that discomfort of failure or that embarrassment or humiliation or however you're going to think about yourself because you failed, you've now failed in advance. You didn't even get the benefit of the conditioning that comes with trying. You got yes. nothing. In fact, that triangle just shrank for you. So I think it's so important that if you're you're going to fail, fail right. At least fail right. And the way to fail right is to go all in and learn in the process. And then you're good. And then mm -hmm. even if you failed, right, there was an ROI. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with even if you failed, there's an ROI. And I think that's something we have to lean into more. We have to recognize that by failing, we're learning. We aren't going to make the same mistake twice. If we pay attention, we decide I'm going to learn from this, there's an ROI. And I think we dismiss that ROI. Society dismisses the ROI of failure, which is part of the problem. I mean, I, I started my career in the academic world where you only publish good results. And it is such a detriment to the progress of the human race because you are multiple research groups around the world trying the same thing because none of them are published that it was a negative result. I'm like, that's such a bad use of resources. We, as a society, we need to embrace the fact that there is an ROI, uh, there is an ROI of failure, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. There's there's the learning, there's the, the resilience, there is, again, access to kind of a new and creative way of thinking. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, probably the biggest ROI is the change in the relationship to ourselves. Yes. Here's, you know, what I mean about that specifically is that often we're not willing to risk failure, not because of the embarrassment out there or because we will have invested a little money and lost it, but because of how we were going to make it a death sentence for our self-esteem. We don't trust ourselves to be with ourselves 
if we've encountered failure. So what I propose needs to happen is that we need, again, that relationship, failure is not a death sentence for your self-esteem. It's a badge of honor for your willingness to grow and be with the discomfort of whatever that next great thing is. It's really embracing that discomfort because that, that unwillingness to be kind to ourselves unless we get it right is a booby prize. That's ass backwards. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I swear all the time on this podcast. Okay. So, you know, just have to hope there are no kiddos listening in the back right. of the car, right? Yes. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. Well, actually, you mentioned there about playing full out. Let's talk about playing full out for a second. Um, you know, lots of people out there say, hey, we have to play full out. Um, I've even had somebody say, you should feel nauseous about the thing you're attempting. Otherwise, you're not going for hard enough, right? Do you agree with that? And what's the risk associated with f- playing full out? You know, I'll actually address that that feeling nauseous feeling. And maybe I'm going to answer that from a slightly different direction. First, I know I already addressed, you know, being aware of what's driving your decisions. So that's the first piece. If you're playing full out, your decision is likely being driven by your commitment to that intention or purpose or outcome right? That is the decision driver. Mm -hmm. So your thinking is coming from this place of clarity and commitment, not from a place of trying to get it right, right? So that's one. It's that that commitment to that outcome, not trying to be right or look good or validation or ego, anything like that. So that's the one piece around playing full out. The level to which we're assessing and judging ourselves in the process is nearly non-existent, right? And a lot of people might call it about being in the zone. So yes. to, to me, that's playing full out. That's that's one side of it. And then the other side, what you just mentioned is that, that feeling of being nauseous, right? The self-doubt, that extreme discomfort. And I, I got to tell you, I think the biggest mistake that we make, you know, as leaders at any level is believing that that discomfort means something that it doesn't. It does not mean stop it does not mean go back. It does not mean you're doing it wrong. It does not mean turn around and, you know, abandon your efforts. It simply means you've ventured outside of the triangle. That is all that it means. Literally. Remember I said earlier that that triangle left to our own devices, right? The default is to stay within that triangle of comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All that the discomfort means is, Hey, I just ventured outside of the triangle of comfort. (laughs) But again, only outside of that triangle that the learning, the growth, the innovation, um, the expansion, you know, the the kind of bold and the brave ways of leading and showing up happen. Mm-hmm. Inside the triangle is we've always done it that way. Yeah, I, I that spot on. And I, th- I do think one of the things is we can get used to being out, outside of a triangle, if you like. I actually recorded an episode recently on getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Basically normalize it, right? I will link to that episode in the show notes if you haven't heard it, listeners. But we need to normalize this. And then actually the nausea thing, in my experience, goes away, right? We need to normalize this discomfort, that being in the growth area, being in the discomfort area. And then suddenly the stress, which is what's causing the nausea, goes away, right? Right. Some stress is good, excessive amounts of stress, we know are bad for us. 
And I, I think if we decide to make this the new normal, it can become something that our body's just like, oh yeah, okay. It gives us a few warning signs because we need to recognize that we're in our discomfort zone because we're about to grow and do something extraordinary, but it doesn't have to be full on debilitating nausea. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Again, here's the thing. The discomfort can be there. And in fact, it can be there forever. The self-doubt can be there. The -hmm. question marks can be there, but you get to choose whether that's what you want in the driver's seat. Yeah. Right. What's yeah. driving your decisions? Is it going to be the discomfort and the nausea and the question marks, or is it going to be your commitment and intention to purpose and what you have on the strategic plan for your career, your initiative, your organization, whatever the case is? Yes. Oh, I just, I just going to point out there that Asia just said strategic plan for your career. You know, ladies listening to this, you will need that for your career. Just Yes. Point that one out. I don't think we take that one seriously enough. It's complete tangent, but <laughs> no, actually, it's so not. It's funny. I, I just did a, a an event on on LinkedIn, and I, I'm going to make sure that the video gets up there, but for replays. But it was on how to create a strategic plan for your career, and we're actually mm-hmm. doing part two, which again, I don't know what the timing will be for this, but the recordings will be there, and you will find them on my LinkedIn, because I think it's so incredibly important not only to create that strategic plan. But the part two is how to actually manage that strategic plan day to day to have it accelerate how you grow in your leadership development and your career expansion. So we just we do it in our initiatives, which is cracks me up. We do it for an entire enterprise, but we don't do it for the most important enterprises all of all. Right. Us. Yes. hundred percent. I. So incredibly important. Yes, thank you. And we will make sure that the links to those recordings are in the show notes. Um, Because this this episode is being recorded a little bit ahead of schedule. So if you are listening to this and you want to go check out those, go and head to the show notes and we'll make sure that those links are in there. But let's wrap up because you and I could talk all day. Um, I'm so privileged to work with amazing women on this podcast and you are one of them. And I just like, oh my goodness, we have to we have to wrap this up at some point. You're like, yes, we do. Um, so let's wrap up with some quick fire questions for you. Oh, I have some favorites here. What is the worst piece of advice you'd ever been given? Oh, man. Uh, okay. It'll take me like 90 seconds to answer this. I, I went to a senior leader at an organization many years ago uh, that I worked in. And um, I understood he was a really good mentor uh, to younger leaders. So I I made time to meet with them and I laid out, hey, these are the things I see for myself where I want to spend more time, you know, the competencies I want to develop. And, um, you know, I want to get into this type of work a little more deliberately. And he thought about it for a second. And then he responded, you know, people come to me to say, you know, what it is they want to do and where they want to go. But sometimes they're already exactly where they need to be. That was the worst piece of advice I've ever gotten. Some He was trying to tell me not to aspire to more. It's keeping you in your box. Let's not have that. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And again, just to be clear, it might not have been out of malice or not seeing my possibility. In all fairness, I was leading one of the, the key initiatives and priorities for the organization at the time. Right. So in all fairness, were I to venture out, there was a risk and I get that. But just keep in mind, you know, the the agenda of the individual giving you the um, advice might not be uh, as pure 
as you hope. Mm-hmm. 100%. The only person that has us as our number one priority is ourselves. Yeah. Our kids, not our spouses, not our bosses, not our peers. Nobody else has ourselves as our number one priority. Yeah. We need to make the time to make sure we make ourselves our number one priority because nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. The way I, I, I um, you know, I have all these Asiaisms, but I always say no one has more agency in your life and career than you do. Oh, beautiful. Love it. Okay. Best piece of advice you've ever been given. Hopefully something extraordinary here. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think the best piece of advice, I don't know, may, may not come off as advice, is why not me? I like that. I No, I, I think that is a great piece of advice. Like, yes, because we need to have that ability to consider something that a lot of the time we're fearful of right it comes all the way back to fear of failure it's full circle i love it beautiful (laughs) that is great okay easier question for you last movie you watched oh it was not a good one (laughs) 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 well tell us so we can all avoid it then (laughs) oh but but i like the rock it was (laughs) it was the jungle cruise (laughs) <laughs> I just watched it uh, with my kids the other night. Not so good. Not like the, these other movies. So again, I, I love you, Dwayne. But <laughs> 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 yeah, you're allowed to have movies you don't like. <laughs> yeah, not my favorite. Yeah, now let me think about my, my the best last last best movie I watched. Actually. Um, I'm going to forget the name. It's a short series and it was with the, the gentleman from better, better call Saul. I don't know. Is that, oh, is that come into mind at all? No. No? I have no idea. Okay. It, well, okay. Here's what's neat about it. It is a completely different way of doing, um, of animation. It was like animated on top of live action. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was just, uh, but the story is incredible talk about you know just pull pushing your brain out to a different space so you guys will see when you get there i don't know if it's unbound maybe i'll figure it out after maybe you can put that in the show notes too okay <laughs> yeah we can do that okay okay let's put you back in your zone of genius next question um i love to offer a mindset tip at the end of every episode so what is your favorite mindset tip for leaders oh man uh my favorite mindset tip is probably nothing has gone wrong here. Ooh, I like that. Yes. And again, this is all failure, fear of failure, tackling it and giving yourself that sense of perspective and permission to slow down and really observe what's going on, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just think about so much of the learning um, and preparation we have in whatever our respective careers are. It's not for when everything goes according to plan. All of that is to prepare you for when it doesn't. Yes. So, you know, nothing has gone wrong here. It's just an opportunity to apply that next level thinking and, you know, your your put your chief strategist hat on and and stay solution oriented. Okay, that blew up. So what's next? Nothing yeah. has gone wrong yeah. here. That is going on my affirmations board. I love that one. That's amazing. Thank you. Okay. How can people connect with you, find out more about what you do, find you online? Where can we go? Yeah. So online, easy way to find me, go to leadershipdivision.com. You can go to my website there. 
And um, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I know when you go to my profile, it's going to say to follow. Ignore that. Go ahead and send me a connection request and tell me you 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 heard me talking to Tony because um, I love to connect with people. I actually do engage with people um, on my LinkedIn and I put out a lot of uh, leadership content there pretty much nonstop. And now I have an at least monthly LinkedIn leadership series, which are free events I put on with training. Just like that, how to create the strategic plan for your career and then how to manage your plan to accelerate uh, accelerate your growth and success. So definitely connect with me so that you can stay tuned into all that goodness. I love that. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. Final thoughts you want to share with us today. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's see. I know we, we covered so much today, but here's what I'm going to distill it down to. If you remember nothing else, if you're going to fail, fail, right. Fail because you went all in, got bruised up, and have a story to tell afterwards and learning to apply to the next go around. Fail right. Fail right. Beautiful. Such amazing words of wisdom. Um, Thank you, Asia, for sharing everything today. Um, For listeners, all those links that we talked about, be making notes. I'm going to put all those in the show notes for you. I really encourage you to go and reach out to Asia. Check out her website, leadershipdivision.com. And head over to her LinkedIn profile and connect with her. This woman is incredible. Make sure she's in your network. It's only going to be a good thing. Thank you so much, Asia. This has seriously been incredible. This has been such a pleasure. I love talking to you, Tony. And I know like we we get into our zone and we can go on forever. <laughs> so I'm glad you keep us focused. <laughs> That's my job. I'm not always super at it, but it's definitely my job trying to keep these episodes like a nice friendly car journey length, right? Um, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, until next time, stay on your tech leisure game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.